0: people they, uh, <clears throat> they like taking their their kids for one last vacation or, or trip before school starts I don't I think they're celebrating their kids are back in school <laughs> this is the first year that Jordy, I've ever seen Jordy excited about going back and teaching <laughs> hey you get two little toddlers man you're like oh man bring on the third graders yeah I saw a picture of a Uh, family you you got the big old 12 year old son he just you know he's he's outgrown his age really just a big clumsy guy he's standing there like this this is a back to school picture he's like this you know the little middle girl you know she's a little blonde girl she's standing there she's she's not even happy you know usually they pose and then the little one you know about the the three-year-old or four-year-old or you know she they don't want to go back to school and the next picture was her mama in the swimming pool and one of those inflatable things floating around having a drink. You know, hey, 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 she's happy. I said, she's happy. Can anybody bear witness with that today? I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love them. I love them. And when, when uh, all those kids leave my house, I love them, but I'm just, I'm a little jittery. I'm a little jittery. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about something today. I'm going to continue to try to develop and confess our faults so we can be healed. Y'all know that's a scriptural principle. And I like to be transparent about me because if I can tell you and you see some things I go through, sometimes it'll encourage you when you have to go through them and face them. <clears throat> but I've always tried to be honest about where I'm at in Yahweh, where I'm at with Him and in and my walk and, and all those kind of things. and and uh, I was you know something really emotional happened to me uh, in the month of July that was a real shift and I felt this shift and uh, I want to I want to tell you just a little bit about that I, I want you to know we are these th- what what we're doing now is shifting and you've got to prepare for that shift and just flow with it's really all you got to do and I, I've been at war I've been a man of war From the last experience I had that took me to that place of uh, the real, the true gospel. Emotionally, I set myself to defend. And I don't like to be just on the defense. I really like to be on the offense. Joel will tell you, when I played basketball, I kept my hands just like this. Pass it to me. Get the rebound and give it to me. I wanted to score, I wanted to do, so I'm an offensive man too. But in order to be offensive, my competitiveness caused me to, you know, I may, I, I, just got at war with people, gave all I had, I mean, I'm just, I wanted to win, I, I still, I talked to you about playing checkers with Dick last week, you know, I mean, I, a board game, I, I, I will not get my well done if I play board games, so don't ask me to. But I'm going to cheat on those board games, can't help it. So I avoid that. In this defending, declaring, it's easy to develop a mentality where the, you're against the world, and you can develop this these attitudes and things. And you, you know, it ain't that you don't love people, but you know, it's just this this attitude, I guess, is the best—a disposition of being on alert and being defensive, and and you know. I made sure that I equipped myself with the very best of weapons, the Word of God. i got to tell you something. I had a revelation the other day. We were here on a Wednesday night, and I'm laying doctrine down, proving, proving all these things because I know that's what Yahweh told me to do. Even though I know that nobody, what they believe, isn't based on the Bible anyhow. Maybe a part of the Bible, but not on the Bible. So I'm sitting there and we're talking about, you know, <clears throat> justification and all those kind of things, which I don't I think we have to know. And so then Daniel Rivera looked at me, and then basically him and the, Veronica, and I think Bethany was one of them, they looked at me like, That's, this is what we believe. We don't believe that anyhow. So the battle that I've had for the f- past several years in establishing doctrine and putting it at the vault put me in a state of mind of being uh, attacked and attacking. I'm not saying I was sinning or nothing like that, but it was a mindset that I'm going to, hey, you, you want to fight? Okay, watch this. Here's a scripture. When they said, sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I literally use the scriptures I have, and, and I slice somebody up, and I say, well, okay, I know you believe that, You know, but this is what the Bible says. So now in this shift that, that's taken place for me, And this transition that we know is how God operates, taught it, wrote a song about it, transitional voice. So these young people, core of this house now, the distinction of these young men and young women who were sons and daughters of a pure seed, not a perfect people, of course, none of us are perfect yet, that don't have to be deprogrammed. a wonderful thing. So I don't know how... If I'm ever going to get delivered from that, I hope I do. I know the transition is God's doing. That's working me. But the fact is, <clears throat> I'm, I I think that most people, you don't have to tell them why. Just tell them what, and they will receive it. Now I can't never do that. But everything I teach now, I can tell and preach and give you a doctrine. I mean, a uh, uh, it's in the vault, as we say. So as we as we move on in understanding this this thing, are we going to focus now? On the body. I want to talk about it. It's going to change the way that we do church. I mean, I love singing. I do get up there singing. i to tell you what, all, all we got to do is put a different sound on. I put a different sound on that keyboard. I can write a song about it and go, you know. Uh, sometimes I have to be careful. We, we put a certain sound on and it sounds good, man. We'll just sing it all day. Me and Joel is just get up there and poor Stephanie's sitting up there and me and him's just gone holding La La Land, jamming. The way that the body and what God's going to do in us is going to change how we think and how we come and assemble. And it will not be a work of the flesh. It will be a work of the spirit. <clears throat> I read something recently by this lady, Margaret Mead, who was a, uh, an anthropologist. I don't even know if she's still alive. And she was asked the question of what is the sign of civilization? And so this student assume that maybe she was going to talk about they found fish hooks that's where civilization and culture started or oh well, look we found we found in this in this dig that we had you know this architectural dig we found a clay pot or pieces and of civilization or we found these grinding stones or the arrowheads or or you know tools or something like that but this lady said no the first sign of civilization in an Ancient culture is a femur bone. I don't like femur bone. But it wasn't just any femur thigh bone. But it was a broken and healed femur thigh bone. The first sign of civilization of a culture is a, it isn't tools, it isn't pottery, it's not hieroglyphics on a wall, no. It is a broken, healed femur bone. And she explained this. In the animal kingdom, if you break your femur, guess what? If you break your leg, you're probably dead meat, literally. You're not going to be able to run if danger comes. You, you can't go to the river and get something to drink. You can't hunt for food. Now you are be, have become the hunted. You are the meat of other prowling beasts. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for the bone to heal. So this lady said this. And I just, it just leaped at me, and I just—it just spoke to me. A broken femur bone that has healed is evidence that somebody, that somebody, has taken the time to stay with a person who fell. They have bound up the wound, carried the person to safety, and has tended to the person through recovery. Helping someone through their difficulty is the first sign of civilization in a culture. She made this last statement. We are at our best when we serve others. Now, I don't know where, it, what, where she's at in her faith or beliefs or anything like that, but what she's saying right here, I believe, is the truth, even if the story's not in the Bible. Everyone, I want you to come up here, please. Coach, Dick, Chester, I want y'all to see something this morning. I don't want to leave anybody else. I'm... These are three, or excuse me, four of your elders. And what I am doing is I'm setting, or I'm, I'm going to call it a reset because that's a popular name. I'm resetting this house in order. These are, these are your elders. Y'all see them? Pray for them every day because their life's fixing to change too, like mine and yours. Thank y'all for coming up here. Every one of these men are married. Pray for that too. The Bible tells us and Yahweh has spoke this to me, and this is part of what he's going to do in us. He said that we are to love God and love our neighbor as ourself. Now, that sounds generic. <clears throat> I was talking to Dick in the back back there, Now I was talking about Joel Osteen. Everybody gives Joel Osteen a hard time. I, I committed myself to listen to him one broadcast a day for two weeks. I did this a few months ago. <clears throat> I was so encouraged i'm serious i listened to it long enough that he's he's just saying the same thing every day with a different story and a different joke but i thought i thought it was good i just didn't like the part of him saying that we believe that if you'll just pray this prayer now you can go to heaven look if he would just leave god and the bible out of it except if he wanted to use some bible story man i he he can encourage you i used to listen to zig ziglar Oh, Zig can encourage you. I'm motivational guys, they can build, pump me up. And this may sound like, oh, Johnny's going to be love, God, love, and neighbor. No, but I can tell you this Johnny is no longer at war. You hear me? And that may, that may not affect you at all. I think it probably will. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I've come to peace. Joy and peace is the kingdom. What I'm fixing, where we're fixing to go is kingdom stuff. And I always am so tempted to, to defend and say something that most of you may not even know anything about. So I'm going to try to quit saying things to people there. And I thought, I think I've been accurate to address that those things. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I had to say this, okay, loving God, because we can't just, we have to love God. That's the fulfillment of all the laws. And we've been talking about laws and justifying and being being justified and fulfilling the laws. And everybody says you can't do it. You know, the Bible says that the law, those two things, to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, those two things hang all the law and the prophets. So in other words, if we can achieve that, if we can have that God love and love for God and love for our neighbors, then we'll, everything else that needs to be done to fulfill the law, it will be done automatically because we love them. I won't steal from you. I won't lie to you. That's just automatic from love. But I want to make sure what neighbor was. Love your neighbor. That sorry guy keeps throwing in my yard. You know, What is neighbor? Re- really, the bottom root intention of that is this. Those that are close. And I can tell you this, love does not mean that we don't get mad at each other. Anybody got family? Anybody got friends? Man, they can, they can yell at each other, and they can argue and get mad and yell, and I mean, all that stuff, but that don't mean they don't love them. I don't think we need to grow past those kind of things, but the fact is, it's usually those people that, that we love the most that can frustrate us the most, and we want to kill them. Anybody want to kill anybody you love before? Can I see you out there? Yeah. Let me tell you what love means. Yahshua said this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You idiot. You stupid boy. You crazy girl. True love, God's love will never leave or forsake. And they always get over the conflict. So we're all on a journey. We've been on a journey in this church, man. It's been documented. Some of you have been on this train a long time. But we're all headed somewhere in our individual journey, in our individual life. And it's usually this unconscious trip that we somehow in our minds are, are going toward this specific destination. And there's this goal that we have, most people. And we must achieve that goal. We must fulfill that goal. And in result of this, this instinctual yearning and craving and feeling of some vague idea of what a dream life is. And I'm going to use dream life today just to represent whatever it is that we are seeking after. I, I know people who are, who seek after this dream life and as the old saying goes, you know they get the top of the ladder to find only it's leaning against the wrong wall, so to speak. And I'm going to get my money in this. I'm going to go buy that. and I'm going to have this. I'm going to go do that. If I can just get a truck, you know. every goal, if I can just get me a, you know, a, a, a new house, if I, can just, if I can just put the money in the bank. You know? I'm not saying all those things are wrong, but out of order, they can be. My point this is that some place or some imaginary place that we really think happiness is going to be found there. And so we have a force in us that drives us to own, just drives us toward that thing. This happy place that they're looking for. People crave living the dream. I'm them live in the dream. You know, they, they have like this magic kingdom. They believe where there's going to be no problems. Some people serve God and they want to say, hey, I thought, well, where's God? And I'm serving God. There's no problems. Have you read the Bible? What about Paul? What about the disciples? About this? You don't get over and protected from all your problems just because you come to church. It exists in this ideology of happiness and the life the way that we think it should be that came from somebody Everybody's living the dream or in their dream. And it was put there by something or someone. Somewhere we got this idea of something that's unrealistic because those people, when I was a kid, nobody, nobody hardly understood that. You know, These people that came out of the Depression, of course, they didn't. The people of the 40s and the 50s and all that. I mean, it wasn't until after World War II that people really have ambition. And I'm, not talk- I'm talking about the ordinary people. Of course, they were ambitious people back then, the Rockefellers and, you know, uh, all those guys. If you read their life story, their dream, they woke up from their dream, too. I've always called it a white picket fence mentality. Leave it to Beaver. You know, that's those 60, you know, uh, what do you call them, comedy, comedy shows. You know, I'm th- I think about some of these things. Uh, I, somebody told me that Mayberry, you know, uh, Andy Griffith's show, that, that Everybody was happy but one, and they were all, none of them were married except the one that wasn't happy, and that was the the, the town drunk. I don't know what they're trying to do. So we have this motivation, uh, this vision of what we think success is and isn't. And we all have this same thing in us, and that's what we want. I want that. I crave that. I desire that. I love that. And we will love it with our whole heart when we put our minds on something we want, we'll adapt ourselves, and we put all our energies and resources, our thoughts, our talents, our money into our dream. And the dream can be something really simple to put better. And I think it's safe for us to, to agree with this, that anything, at all costs, we're going to make our dream happen. Luke 1, 2, 3, 4, 12, 34 for where your treasure is that's where your heart will be. This love that's that I'm talking about of whatever it may be that you love is the root and catalyst of what how we act and of all of our actions. And that loves longings and those desires of our heart will pull us into an entire way of living. This is how we live like this based on those desires in our heart and it empowers any work or anything it takes to fulfill the end of that result gummit, we're gonna get her done we're gonna have it and whatever it takes we're gonna make it happen first corinthians 13 if i take it out of some scriptural king james poetic saying it says thereby is three things faith hope and love these things these three but the greatest of these is love now guys i want you to I found this out. If I'm talking about this, some people may be relating where they are in their relationships and all that, that kind of love. I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about what we love, what we desire, what what we crave down in here, what we want. An empowerment that can work for anybody. It's a spiritual principle, but you don't have to be a Christian or anything else to make that power Work in your life. You can achieve and get what you want if if you have that real desire and you love it. Because love is so powerful, it will go through anything to make you have it. True principle. I think faith is powerful. We need more of it. We need to grow in our faith. I think hope is powerful. But the Bible says the greatest of these is love. That that word in the Greek, greatest, is megas. We get mega from it. It is mega powerful. It's the greatest. The fact is, I can have the one faith and know all that. I can understand the one hope. But the only power that exists that will empower me to please God and accomplish what God wants me to accomplish is love. The same thing that causes us to accomplish anything in anybody's life love and the desire of our heart. You always say, Look, you got to love me down in your heart. You're going to love me here. And if you do, you will fulfill everything that I've called you to do and want you to do. I think that these desires in us, we'll will find every way possible to fulfill our dreams and our visions until we have the life we're after. Oh, you turn me down here? Well, guess what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to have it. I'm going to make it happen. This picture, this vision of our goal, our dream, has brought our imaginations into captivity. And it has put our behavior on autopilot. Here we are. We do other things, but down in our heart while we're sitting at home, and we're thinking about that. While we're doing that, we're thinking about that. While we do this, how am I going to do this? We're scheming. We're planning. And we don't need any laws or any rules to enforce us to make us desire that, and make us work toward that, and make us do whatever it takes. We don't need a law to do that, because this love, you don't, nobody's going to have to make you do what's your heart's desire in love is. There's is no law to enforce. Nobody's going to make you do it. The reason you do, that you have the action that is joyful to do, is because you love it. I believe I found this to be true and that is and i think agreeing with psychologists and other people that ultimately our brain is wired by what we truly love the longings of our heart aim us and propel us to what we are desiring call it a dream if you want to so we live and we move and we have our being toward whatever our goal is and we work toward that end result The Bible isn't teaching us principles just based on the spiritual things. Everything is a spiritual principle, has a spiritual uh, catalyst behind it. Everything. So a person can take this desire of their heart and propel them into a success, but it's only temporal. But you can use it and work and do it with that. Now everybody, I think, wants somebody to love them. That's what I think. Even people that are mean, they want somebody to love them. I believe that even in our fallen state, there is something in us that we're born lovers and need to be loved. Now, i got to tell you, that don't mean you're going to love everybody. Can, I say, can you say amen? You know, I mean, we love everybody. I mean, I don't know. We, we'll have to work that out. But let's don't worry about them right now, okay? But it does mean this. We are created by God, and our brain is wired that we are going to love something. You hear what I just said? You're going to love something. It may not be good, but you're going to, there's going to be something that you find out in life and desire, and the desire of your heart will be toward what you love, and that love will empower you to do whatever it is it takes at all costs to receive and get that thing that you love. You can't help it. If you, if you love it, you're, you can't help not pursuing it it's how you're made, man. It's how I'm made. I believe this. What I have found myself to love is really my true identity. The real Johnny. What's the real Johnny? I mean, we have all these things, you know, we put on or whatever at some level, let's face it. I mean, I mean we're not all going, we, we ain't all going to come in here like Adam and Eve naked. We, we always are suppressing and bartering and making sure, well, if I do that, they're going to do this and I'm going to negotiate that and I feel like that. Or, I mean, there's always those kind of things, but what I love shows me my true identity and what I love is reveals what really is at the center of my desires and what is, it is I want. What, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? Am I doing that because I love this? It reveals what I want, reveals who I am. And what I want determines the life I'm going to live, what, de- what direction I take, what my de- destination is going to be. My experience is this according with the scriptures, that my love will either set my affections on heavenly things and eternal things or that desire, that love will drag me down. I'm quoting Colossians 2.8. Drag you down and spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. This inbred craving of our heart is the very seat and the pivotal point to where the real Johnny sits—that's where you are. I know your place. I know where you're sitting. I know it's reserved. You know, you ever got that place? You ever done this where you, you know? You know I mean, you're in E6, Johnny. I've seen people go to the to the ballpark, you know, on TV and stuff. It never happened to me, and they, they, nobody be sitting in the in the floor seats at a Lakers game or something, you know. And so people who are up in the top come down there and sit, and of course they get kicked out by the usher. I know, I found out where Johnny really sits. Am I at the head of the table, in the table? Who am I? Where am I really sitting? How did I find that out? And that trapped me, the desires of my heart trapped me inside my own identity. Not God's identity for me, but my own. The Bible calls this place here that I'm talking about cardia. It's a Greek word, as in cardiac. Or the cardi, what's my doctor, a cardiac heart doctor? Cardiologists, And in the Greek, it means this, the thoughts or feelings, the mind, the middle, and it also has to do with heart, broken heart. So as I'm meditating on this, man, I'm like, so I have this cardia and my heart's desires are what aims and directs me toward my destiny that I believe is the, my dream life. See, My dream life is in, in, inheriting the kingdom of God and ruling and reigning. That's my dream world. And the version of the kind of life we want to live is in that heart, cardia. And it will, at all costs, and at any cost, go after what we have in our heart. That desire that's there. So the love that I'm trying to talk about today is a subconscious desire that I don't even have to try to think about. I don't, if you love something... You don't have to try to say, okay, what was it that I love? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I know, I love cornbread. No, you wake up thinking about cornbread. You go to bed thinking about cornbread. You dream about cornbread. That's that thing that's in us. That's what I'm talking about. That subconscious desires that operates when we, we don't have to, without even thinking really, because it's not something that has to do with the brain as much as it is in here. And it's not a decision you're making, okay. I'm gonna choose that. No, you've already chosen it. It's what you love, it's what you're after, it's what I'm after. Or you don't even have to feel like you want it. What defines it is what we do. You know, I don't really feel like cornbread, but guess what? I'm gonna have some anyhow. What we do, our action defines what our love is and our heart's desire. It's the basic inclination and it's a it's a default that automatically generates the choices that we make <laughs> yep there i go again anybody been like that there i go sinning again there i go after it again here i am again it's because in our hearts that's what we truly love it's like a involuntary muscle thank god for them i mean if you know if you didn't have a, uh, involuntary muscles you wouldn't be here today What's in our cardia, what we love in our cardia will operate without us even consciously thinking about it. It's so woven into who we are that it's as natural as this. Blinking. I don't have to think to blink. I don't have to think to blink. My body, my body, breathing. I don't have to think to breathe. Just a natural thing. Where does it come? Straight out of our heart. You don't have to think about it it's what you love, it's what you want, and it's become who we are. You can't just think your way to this place because it's not consciously decided. I found this out. Sin isn't a, doing the wrong thing. is isn't just something that we choose to do. We are born with that propensity, but God gave us a new cardia. And it's, the Bible says that he gives us the desires of our new cardia. He took those old desires away and gave us a new one. Now, now listen to this. Laws ain't going to make nobody do nothing. How many of you know that? Huh? We know that. They're talking about all these gun laws and stuff. I'm all for them, but how they going to take? Hang, hang on. They can't guarantee. Everybody don't have one. Government. If they took all the guns away from everybody, the governments, everybody, then I might, I might pay attention to them a little bit more. This thing that, that we have is, is something that we choose to do. But it's not that we willfully choose it. Most of our problem is, is because it's something that we have, a, as David said, creating me a clean heart, O oh God. So how do we develop the true love God in our neighbor how do, we, how do we get to that place? Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't love God, you won't inherit the kingdom. It's, it, you can't just say, okay, I'm just going to obey, because you can't do that in your own power anyhow. And I know a lot of tired people trying to serve God, supposedly. But they get wore out because they don't really love Him. If you don't really love Him, it's hard to keep obeying Him. You can remain a servant and never move into sonship. And the difference is I have to versus I want to. A dead work is nothing, no different than a living work except the dead work is I have to and the living work is I want to. Why do you want it? Because it's a desire. It's a love. Tell you what I know about love. I know a little bit. You can't acquire love intellectually. That's why I discourage people getting mail-order brides. Because you don't love somebody, intellectually my daddy used to tell me this no you're just love in love with the idea of whatever it was i was wanting at the time no you don't love that son i used to get in trouble i said man i love hot dogs my daddy said no you don't love hot dogs you like hot dogs and you love god i mean my god okay i love hot dogs though that was in my heart Matter of fact it might be in my belly if i keep preaching about it here in a minute okay it's not required intellectually you can have all the knowledge in the world but that don't mean you have love but it is acquired affectionately my relationship with god just just being intellectual didn't produce love i love the intellect of it i love the knowledge i love being right i love wanting to know and knowing and i love being able to tell people this i love that but that may be over here in a pride area is it wrong to know absolutely not But that did not generate, me knowing these things that we've learned all these years that we're we're now shifting out of, not away from, but we're adding something to, because all of that got us to here. So what happened is that didn't make me love God anymore. So by intellect, it didn't really put the desire of my heart, even though I enjoy and love the process. One of the greatest things I love to do is study. I love to study. I love, and God speak to me by his spirit and by his word, and I'm like, oh, man, oh, that's good, ain't it? We are in an age, listen, a Facebook age, that people, that people love cliches and stuff. I hear it all the time. Somebody puts them on Facebook. Oh, man, that's good. That's good stuff right there. That's good. Y'all heard that? Oh, man, that's good. That's powerful right there, man. You know, uh, love is blind. Whoa! I said, man, i right there. i right there. That's good, brother. Let me let me write that down right here. Let me write that. Oh, love is blind. We have we 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 get we're we're now somehow getting off intellectually or something that we have this all this wisdom and knowledge and we're like Plato and Socrates or whatever, <laughs> you know. But you can't. Develop what God requires just from being intellectual. It's required affectionately. Listen, and love is, requ- is, is acquired emotionally. And this is what I've learned. You cannot develop love in absence. Wait a minute, Johnny. Go ahead and say it. Absence makes the heart grow, f- grow fonder. That ain't in the Bible, number one. It was by a Roman guy who, who said it, the first said that. Absence makes the heart Grow fonder. I believe this, that's not true. It's like I heard a guy say years ago, he said this no, absence makes the heart go wander. I'm like, man, that, that is the truth. Because love cannot be developed by absenteeism. In, it can't be, we can't just have the knowledge or consent to the fact, yeah, we're married, yeah, you're my wife. Yeah, that's supposed to do that. It takes the development through relationships and uh, through, through affection and through emotion, and that's where love is really developed. Now, i got to be honest with you. When I have my first son and my second son, when they're born, you just, you just fall in love with them right out of there. They, there they are. ha! look at you. What are you, alien? But I love you, Who, whatever you are. I love you. That's a little different scenario. But even with that, if they were to have taken my sons away from me and I didn't find them till 10 years later, that just because they were my sons did not mean that I loved them. When he popped out, I loved them. Didn't see them before. Boop, there it was. But here, because I'll tell you, I, there was a guy, a kid that got kidnapped years ago. And when he came back, he got his mama, a lady swapped their babies. And when he was about 18 years old or 15 years old or something like that, he found out the truth and he went back to live with his real mom and daddy. didn't work. Why? He's my baby. It didn't work. Well, intellectually, we know that's my child. The DNA shows it, blood types, all that. I know. Look, he looks just like me. But the fact is, the absence did not produce love. It just, love, it just ain't acquired information. It's more like inscribing something into the very fiber of your being. Like the Bible says, I'm going to write that in your cardia. And Yeshua therefore said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not easy. Keeping my commandments are simple. If you love me. If that's your heart's desire. You don't need any rules. You don't need any laws. You don't need any regulation. You don't need any enforcement to do what you truly love. The way and the power now for me to resist temptation, the number one power in my life to resist temptation is this, that I love Yahweh and I don't want to disappoint Him. That's the number one power. No other things are done. Well, I'm going to do it because of this. I'm going to do it because of that. You know, a lot of times our love for Yahweh and love for Yahweh. is us wanting Yahweh to help us get what we love. Y'all hear me? I was, I, there was a word I... I like studying words you know called simony 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 and what the word means is it comes from uh simon the sorcerer who was wanting to buy the power of god so to speak so the words simony really means it's people who want to be able to buy their way or or people use ecclesiastical church things and take money in order to get something see when you use god get what you love, you're missing the point. Now I know, let's face it, we know when we first start out, we you know, when we're children and, and babies, man, we you know we, we want we want the bottle, you know, we want food and we want it now. We we're babies, so we're it is about I don't want to die. I want to imor, uh, inherit the kingdom. I mean, so that can be a selfish thing. But see that's also that God's will. That's his dream, so to speak. But when we just use and love, I mean, use God to get what we love, then we miss the whole point. Let's see where I was at here. So, the empowerment that I have to not sin is that I love Yahweh. The power that I have to stay faithful to my wife is because I love Yahweh. You hear what he just said? And I love my wife. There's the power, love, desire of my heart, and it controls my actions and what I live. And I don't have to think about it. I don't say, oh man, what am I going to do here? Let me tell you what my prayer is one day. That we all truly love Yahweh. I wrote this on here, and I, I thought, after I thought about it, I said, maybe you need to erase that. So in my conclusion here, I put, in short, I'm like, okay, be faithful to it. If you are what you love, and your love is aimed contrary to pleasing Yahweh, this is what I think. You need to be in rehab. If you are what you love, and your love is... Aimed contrary to pleasing Yahweh. If the desire of your heart is contrary to obeying and pleasing Yahweh, then you need to be a re, uh, in rehab, and what you love needs to get rehabilitated. And we're not going to sit here and acquire more and more and more information because what we need is not more information, we need reformation, reforming, and aiming our loves toward him toward God orienting our desires toward God and his dream because his dream for me is way better than my dream for me as a matter of fact I gave up my dream a long time ago I told a guy I said no if you're serious why don't you go sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow Yeshua Yeshua he said won't you do it it's already done it I'm just I'm on the backside of my blessing I made a choice in my life to give up everything and not follow my dreams and my passions, what I desire. I gave up all my houses or plans or, or anything like that. I gave them all up already. You're going to have to do it too. I'm so glad I'm on this side of it now, but if it really took it, I'm ready because I genuinely have a, my, my, my desire is aimed toward God. Our goals, our desires must get correctly recalibrated. You hear me? Our loves and our longings must be redirected. Our intellect has been hijacked by these bad ideas. And, and, but it's because our desires and our imaginations and our dreams have been captivated by a rival vision. Here we are. God gave us this heart with the right vision and desires and love. But now this rival came. And guess what? It's, listen. Listen to me close. It's caused a broken heart. I taught on this years ago. And I called it mental fragmentation. The Bible calls it double-mindedness. If you have a, a heart that's whole and it becomes double-minded, now you have a broken heart. I am convinced that most of our issues in our minds and in our life are based from double-mindedness and a broken heart, which means this. Dialogos. 2 do pass. We've been captivated. The Bible says if you have a broken heart or mental fragmentation or double-mindedness, that person must not suppose he will receive anything from Yahweh. He is, un- he is double-minded and unstable all his ways. Why isn't God answering my prayers? Because you, are, you have a broken heart. And a lot of it happens when you choose not God's way, you set your affections on earthly things and got disappointed by what life can only do, and that is disappoint. And so guess who gets blamed for it? God. Where are you? Where are you? I'm back here. I think we need to reset to this place as we move into this where we're, where we're going to be. He always created us for himself. What does that mean? Your heart is designed to find its end in him. It don't work properly when you put your heart in for an, any other purpose, and you can spend every day, twenty-four-seven, rest, restlessly craving rival gods and dreams and pursuing these rival destinations. But your subconscious longings of your heart are aimed now in, in somewhere else. Our our orientation is now tilted. I was thinking about the. How the earth is tilted on its axis. And what if happened? What would happen if it wasn't? And maybe did that happen at the fall? Or or what if it was set up? Would we have perfect weather all day, 24-7, 365 a year or whatever? It got jilted up off kilter. Our GPS is malfunctioning. It gives us these false bearings, and the results have been disastrous and not victorious. And we've got to find that place where we can really walk in the power of what God says. Our, Our culture, man, the television and media and all that has sold us a faulty fantasy idea of a dream life. I want to tell you something. If you've got young children, you better guard them because this media will gobble them up and break their heart it trains us to love the wrong life it teaches us to long for some rendition and counterfeit replacement of really the abundant life that Yahweh has promised sad part these aren't just things we do these things do something for us or something to us we must have a reformation of what we love a recalibration of our heart Yahweh had this love he was so alive with it, this heart's desire. He craved it down in his heart. The deep yearning that beckons us to cry out as Yahweh. Yahweh inviting people of all nations to become into his sweet family and experience that attachment of love that he has for us. He wants that to us to experience that to him and to each other. Down in the very deepest regions of who, what we really desire and who we want, down in our heart. That's why I wanted to sing that song this morning, Joel, with all my heart. Let me tell you what. I want you to listen to Yahweh talking to you this morning, okay? I'm I'm, I'm using words, but I want you to hear him speaking to you. He wants to breathe his Holy Spirit into your mind and your uh, hearts and your bodies this morning. He wants to breathe the breath of life, Christ in us, transforming, healing, restoring us from the effects of the symptoms of sinful fall. This, you know what? I don't know if you always told me this part or not. But when man fell, his heart got broke. His heart was broken. And you can use that analogy with people who are sad with a broken heart or people who had a broken heart that don't work right. That's why God gives us a new heart. It was broken and it was aligned and desiring and had desires in it and love for things it ought not. And he said, that's what I do. I will give you a new heart. And I begin to think of my own life about I was born with a broken heart. A deformed valve and it took me 65 years to realize that's what it was but guess what i got it repaired i got it recalibrated your body and my body is designed by god to be a literal temple of god's spirit he loves us and we can only do what he wants us to do and really what we will want to do by our love that we have it will give us the desire to want to do that more than other things and I want to tell you why I love God. Of course, it's become my whole life. Everything that I do and breathe and is all about doing what he wants me to do. I'm not boasting of that. I'm just saying that's how it's happened. But he loved me first. I love people that love me. Those that never leave you nor forsake you. you know, I, I love it. I love it. People who people, Don't you love somebody that knows who you really are, but yet they love you? and they receive you, and they even respect who you are, even though you may do things stupid sometimes. That's called a wife, a husband, a friend. He loved me first. I can't resist that. This broken heart that we have, when we become double-minded, it broke our heart, new heart that he gave us. And this is what he told me to tell you today. Come to him, come to him. All it is is you need to get your prescription refilled, and this is the place to get grafted in, plugged in, your prescription refilled, whatever, however, on whatever metaphor you want to use. In this resetting of order for this house, we're acknowledging and resetting elders in this church, responsible elders. It's a very important place and part of the body. I believe the elders are what produces the immune system in a local church produce white blood cells that are key players in the immune system they're made in your bone marrow and part of the lymphatic system white blood cells move through the blood and tissue throughout your body looking for foreign invaders microbes such as bacteria viruses parasites and fungus or fungi listen what the bible says is any sick among you let them call the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And it says, confess your faults one to another. And pray one for the other that you may be healed. And the affectionate, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me, let me tell you something. I'm speaking to elders. I'm talking the whole body, really. <clears throat> Such an important place for the well-being of the body of Christ. This local church. Not just physically, but in every way. And God operates by different principles. And if you're not here, there's part of missing. When we don't come, it's part that we we can't do it in absence. We can't love Christ in absence because it won't make your heart grow fonder. It'll make it wander. This morning, I want you to bow your heads. Thank you all for tuning in. See you next week. I want you to bow your heads a minute.